Well, I may have watched a Hallmark movie or two. I know, I know. I feel like I had to turn in my man card to watch the Hallmark Christmas movies. But anyhow, I've actually enjoyed this. One of my favorites was a couple of weeks ago, The Christmas Train. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because a lot of you guys are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll watch that too. Well, the storyline was really a good one. Danny Glover, good actor that he is, was playing the part of a powerful Hollywood executive director. And he was traveling with his assistant, this lady, you know, unbeknownst to her that what was about to happen in this movie. So Danny Glover, at the beginning of the movie, he's standing there, and this young couple comes up to him and the assistant, and the couple, they recognize Danny Glover's part. They recognize that he's this big Hollywood producer. And, and they said, can I have your picture? And he said, well, well, sure, you can have my picture. And his assistant standing there, and the lady looked at her and said, are you anybody? Are, are you anybody? And she goes, no, no, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just with him. He's, he's the star. And that just had bothered me. I've been thinking about that now for two weeks. How many times do, do we do that to people? Are, are, you, are you anybody? Are you somebody? Well, come to find out, she was not just somebody. She was the heroine of the whole story. And Danny Glover had orchestrated the events, much like murder on the Orient Express with a positive twist, if you will. Instead of murder, he, he orchestrated all the people on the, on the train to come together so that his assistant, she could meet this long lost love of her life and they could come together. Listen, in Hallmark, they always come together, right? <laughs> Listen, if you watch a Hallmark movie and they start kissing, it's over, man. I mean, just watch, watch the kiss and then here come, here come the credits. <laughs> the title of my sermon today is The King of Christmas is for you. You are a somebody. You're not just a somebody. You're someone very special, created in the image of God. There's no one like you on planet Earth. All of us are incredibly important because God fashioned us, God created us, and God has a plan and He has a purpose for our lives. And that plan and that purpose is for us to know this God who gave us His Son. There's a character in our Christmas story today that I'm going to preach on. His name is Simeon. And Simeon, he's only mentioned one time in the Bible. And as I began to study his life over the last couple of weeks, I've just fallen in love with this guy, the, the way that he lived his life, the prophet of God that he was. <laughs> One commentary I read basically said, Simeon, he's really not that important. Luke only includes him because of the part he plays in the birth of the Messiah. And a lot of times I read commentaries and I agree with, I just didn't agree with that. He said, no, Simeon wasn't really that important. The only reason he's included is because of his part with the Christ child. But Luke goes to great lengths to describe for us this guy named Simeon. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 is our text. We'll begin walking through it in a moment. But, but Simeon was a just man, a godly man, a God-fearing man, a patient man, a man full of the Holy Spirit. He was a prophet of God. And he gave this word of prophecy about this Christ child that was born. Remember the story? He's into, in the temple, and he basically takes Jesus from the arms of Mary. I imagine Mary's kind of shocked by this. And he scoops up baby Jesus, and he just begins to bless God and thank God because now he says, I can die in peace because, God, you have given me the joy uh, of my life. In, in the book of Luke, 
in chapters 1 and 2, there are three distinct psalms or songs to be sung of praise. The first one in Luke chapter 1 is the song of Mary, also called the, anybody? The Magnificat. That's right. It's her song of praise of salvation for the birth of her son. And then also toward the end of Luke chapter 1, there is another uh, psalm of praise, if you will. It's the Benedictus. It's written or it's sung by Zacharias, who was the father of John the Baptist. And now we get a third one. And you'll notice in your Bibles, if you brought your Bibles today, you'll notice that it's sectioned off in paragraphs, and that indicates to us that it is a song to be sung, or it is a psalm of praise to God. And this one is by Simeon, the Old Testament prophet, if you will, who has ushered in this new era, and he gives his psalm of praise to God in verses 29 through 32. And as I read the text to you today, there are some major themes that I want to bring out in the reading of God's Word. The first one is this, that God is a faithful God, that God was true to His Word to Simeon, that Simeon, you will not die until you see the Christ child. And I just want to go on record to say that God is so good, God is so faithful, whenever God makes you a promise, just go ahead and mark it down, it will come to pass. It will come to fruition because God is true in his word. He tells us something, he will bring it to pass. The second thing I want to notice with you today is just the praise of God according to Simeon. As the Christ child is born, he's brought into the temple, and he's dedicated to the Lord. And watch Simeon, just this eruption of praise comes out of this old man as he just lifts up, lifts up the Christ child and he lifts up praise to God. And then the third thing I want you to notice with me in this text is that Simeon draws all of us to a point of decision because he begins to make some bold prophetic statements about this Christ child who will grow up, the kind of life that he will live, and how we all are called to a point of a decision. So I'm so glad you're here today. God bless you. We're thrilled that you've come on this, this Christmas Eve, and it's just not an accident that you are here today. Somebody has been praying for you that you would come today. Many of our people, they've already contacted me. Some have the flu. Some are not able to be with us. God bless you guys as you are watching us on live stream. But you are here, and you're here for a reason. That God loves you. Ooh, listen, to, listen to this. Couldn't wait to share this word with you. God is not mad at you. God is not against you. God loves you. God so love the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We have this very truncated, twisted view of God, that God is some cosmic killjoy, that he's just created us to destroy us, that God does not really love us, but that nothing could be further from the truth. The king of Christmas has come. He is for you. He's not against you, and he has the absolute best planned for you, and all you have to do is is submit your will to his divine will, and then watch what God will do. He will orchestrate all these pieces in your life, and he will give you the most blessed, fulfilled life. In fact, that's what Jesus said he'd come to do. He said, I've come that you all may have great life and abundant life and eternal life. So I'm going to read the text to you, and, and as I do, I'm just going to take it in a trilogy, if you will, just three sections. I mentioned to you a moment ago, first of all, we'll look at the faithfulness of God. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25, it says, and behold, we read that so quickly. Well, what does that mean? It's, here's a good translation. Listen up. Can I have your attention? I'm about to share something very important. There was a man 
in Jerusalem. You know, Jerusalem is the holiest of all cities, is it not? All three major world religions call it home. And of course, that would be Christianity and Judaism and Islam. In a few months, I'm going to get to go back to Jerusalem. Go with me. We're going to have a blast. We're going to spend about three days studying and walking where Jesus walked in Jerusalem. There was a man in Jerusalem, and his name was Simeon. Only time you'll find this guy mentioned is in Luke chapter 2. Now, he's probably named after one of the 12 tribes of Israel, one of the 12 sons of Jacob, whose name was Simeon. But this is the only time we see this guy. And this man was. Now, watch the way Luke describes him. He was a just man. Can I just translate that? He was a good man. Simeon was a good and godly man. And not only was he that, but he was a devout man. Now, when the word devout is used, you need to think of the law. You need to think of a good Jew obeying the Torah or obeying the ramifications of the law. And Simeon is basically an Old Testament prophet, just, devout, holy, righteous man of God. And Luke has given us his biography, if you will. He was a patient man. Because the Bible says that he was what? He was waiting. It's not a trick question. How many of y'all like to wait? <laughs> How many of you like to wait when you go shopping on Christmas Eve? Because some of you guys are going to be out there. You're going to be hustling and bustling, and you're going to be honking your horn and say, get out of my way. No, 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 we don't need to do that. We need to be waiting, and he was waiting on God. That's one of the hardest things in the world to do. Can I, can I just get an amen from that? Any? I mean, who likes to wait? But Simeon was waiting on God. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. You ever come across a phrase in, in the Bible and go, what in the world does that mean? So I was asking myself the same question over the last two weeks as I've just immersed myself. I've never preached on this text before, and so I've preached a lot of Christmas sermons, and I'm, I apologize to Simeon. I've never preached a whole sermon about this guy. The consolation of Israel would be the Messianic kingdom age. When the Messiah comes, Israel was hoping and waiting for a Messiah to come. Now, they were hoping and waiting that this Messiah would deliver them from their physical captivity and bondage of Rome, for example. But that's not the kind of Messiah that God would send them. He would not send a military conquering general. Many Jews are still waiting for that guy to come. And then they will say, yes, we will worship that kind of guy, but we're not going to worship some guy that dies on a cross because guys that die on a cross are weak and, and they can't save themselves. They can't save anybody. But that's precisely what God did. He sent his son, Jesus, the Messiah, born of the Virgin Mary, placed in a feed trough, for heaven's sakes, because there's no room in the inn, right? And so here comes God's strange way to save the world. So when you look at the consolation of Israel, just think of the Messianic age or when the Messiah would come to Israel. And the, ooh, I like this next part. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now him, the antecedent for him is our man, Simeon just man, right? A devout man. He is a man that is waiting, is patient. He is a man who's faithful to God in the midst of his waiting, and he is a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And now we see the Holy Spirit introduced in Luke's gospel three times. He will mention the Holy Spirit in reference to Simeon. Now, let me just go ahead and ask this question because I know some of you are asking it. Are you going to take that much time on each one of these verses? Because we got 
places to go. <laughs> How many kings? Yes, we are. So we're gonna, just going to have fun with this. And it had been revealed to him. Who is him? Help me. Starts with an S. Say it a little louder. Simeon. It had been revealed to him, so he is a person who receives revelations. Okay, and that's what prophets do. They, they hear from God then and even today. Hear from God and speak what God has spoken to them. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Now here it comes. The faithfulness of God is what I want you to catch this. That he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That's a very important statement. It had been promised to him by the Holy Spirit, by God himself, that Simeon, my old faithful friend, you will not die. You will not go in peace and come to heaven until I've done everything I want to do through you. And one of the things I want to do through you is I want to bless you and let you see the Christ child. Because once you see the Christ child, you're going to get, you're going to kind of have a holy hoot nanny. You're going to get all excited and you're going to make this proclamation and Mary and Joseph are going to go, wow. And people for subsequent centuries are going to look at this text and go, wow, isn't God good? God's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promises. You say, has God made me any promises? Has, will God be faithful to the promises that he's made to me? So he came by the Spirit, third time, right? The Spirit led him into the temple. You got to have a little divine imagination with me, all right? So you just see Simeon just kind of, I got to seem old and maybe got a little cane going, okay, Lord, today just might be the day. Today might be the day. You promised me, God, and I know I'm not, I'm not going to die. I'll live to be 500 years before. It, 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 you will keep your promise. I know that. But just, 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 just could it be today? How many times did he do that in the temple? I think he did it a lot. I think he went, see, I think he went looking around, looking for the Christ child, if you will. Maybe he did this for years, but now he comes into the temple by the Holy Spirit. And when the parents, that would be Mary and Joseph, when they brought in the Christ child, Shazam, here it comes now, to do for him, now notice the capital H, the antecedent for him is not Simeon, this would be Jesus, according to the custom of the law. Now let's look at that for, phrase for just a minute. What does that mean? According to the custom of the law. So at a certain age, baby Jesus would be brought into the temple to do for him according to the custom of the law, which means the parents would give five shekels, which is not a lot of money, but they would give that as a redemption price for priestly service. If he's not going to be a priest, then we will pay the priestly tax, if you will, or amount of money to redeem him from being a, a, a priestly service. Jesus was going to be far more than that, right? And so they do this according to the custom of the law. So before we get into uh, our, our next section, I, I just want to make a statement about the faithfulness of God. God loves to give us promises, and God loves to fulfill his word to us, especially to those who will be quick to give him the praise for doing it. Some of you think God is against you and God's holding out on you. Some of you here today feel offended by God, right? You said, how did you know? Well, I just know. 
you feel that God has let you down. If God was good, he wouldn't have done that. If God was all-powerful, he would have stopped that. If God was all-knowing, he surely would have known about my divorce or my bankruptcy or the death of my spouse. Then surely this God, he is not this great faithful God that you're talking about. No, 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 hold on just a second. He is faithful. He is just. He is good. And he likes to reveal himself and manifest himself to those who will be quick to not curse him but to praise him. Okay? You say, boy, that's kind of deep for Christmas Eve. You're welcome. Glad I could give you that good, deep thought on Christmas Eve. But it's true, okay? So this is the faithfulness of God. Okay, next is the praise of his people. Oh, I think we put an insert in the, in the worship guide there. If you're taking notes, great. If not, that's great too. All right, here we go. Verse 28. So now Simeon took him, Jesus, up in his arms and he ulugeo God. Ulugeo. You say you're speaking an unknown tongue. I am. That's Greek for blessed ulugeo. It's where we get the English word. Just transliterate it right out of Greek into English. It's where we get our word eulogy. U, the prefix, means good. And legeo or lagos means word. When someone dies and you go to the funeral, somebody will stand up and speak a good word. That means they spoke a eulogy. And now here Simeon is, he takes Christ, the child, and he lifts, I, I can't help but think that he's just lifting this child up to God, and Mary's going, whoa, whoa, whoa that, that's my baby, hold, hold on just a second. And she's going, oh, ma'am, it's all right. And he lifts up the Christ child, and he blesses God. He thanks God. He gives God praise. And maybe this is why God entrusted this great privilege to this old man, this prophet, because God knew that Simeon, as soon as God came through and gave him the answer he had been hoping for and waiting for, Simeon knew, I mean, God knew that Simeon would say, I bless you, O God, and I thank you. I think those are the people God likes to bless. Not those like, what took you so long? What, what, what you doing, God? What is happening? No, no, no. God don't like to bless those Scrooges, all right? He likes to bless these Simeons. He said, Lord... Oh, that's an interesting word. That Greek word is despotos. It's where we get the English word despot. A despot is a monarch, a ruling, all-powerful monarch, someone who reigns. And Simeon does not say kurios. He says despotos. Lord, now you are letting. And by the way, this is the title in the Latin. This is the title of the whole psalm. Now you are letting. Now you are letting your doulos. Now look at that word servant for just a minute. The word servant there is the Greek word doulos. And doulos does not mean just somebody who serves. It means somebody who gets on their knees and washes feet. It's someone who takes a towel and does the most mundane, menial task under the sun. It's what Jesus did in John chapter 13. When he washed the disciples' feet, he became a doulos, okay? That's why so many Jewish people today just can't embrace him. Because I'm looking for a king not going to wash some feet. I'm looking for a king that's going to lop off some heads. I'm looking for a king who's going to fulfill my expectations. What I think God ought to be doing. Not, what, not some carpenter who claims to be the Messiah. No, no, no. But that's what Jesus did. He came. That's why the song says it's such a strange way to save the world that God would become a baby in poverty 
and live in anonymity for 30 years and then would make his ministry public. And all of this is just outside of our realm of comprehension because if we were God, we wouldn't do it that way. I'm so glad you're not God, by the way. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not. God, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, check that out when you go home today. His ways, his thoughts. As the mountains are high above us, so are God's ways and thoughts higher than our ways. Despotos, now you are letting your doulos depart in peace. I'm going now in peace. I'm about to die. How, how would you like that? How would you know that you're about to die? That scares the ibijibis out of people. People fear death. Simeon didn't fear death. Here's why I know he didn't fear death, because now I'm going in peace. I'm going to a place called heaven. I have seen the Messiah. I have seen the Christ. Lord, here I come. Take me home. Your servant is departing in peace. Oh, look at it. Look at it. I know it's a little prepositional phrase, but watch this. According to your word. God, you promised, and now I'm going. Let me continue in Simeon's song. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That's interesting, isn't it? That the way Jesus is described is salvation. By the way, do you know what Jesus' name means? The name Jesus means Yahweh saves, or Jehovah is my salvation. So Simeon is right on. He's spot on when he looks at the Christ child and says, you are salvation. But you have given us this salvation. That's why you came. Remember Matthew 1, where it says, and you shall call his name Jesus because he will, anybody? Save his people from their sins. See, Jesus, he didn't come to be some cool president. He didn't come to be some popular prime minister. He did not come to rule Rome's armies. Jesus came to die. He was born to die so that when we die, we can live. Mary Christmas. He was born to die so that we who die can live. And the thing that just captures Simeon's heart and imagination more than anything is when he looks at Jesus, he could have said a lot of things, but he said, you, I have seen your salvation. God, this is your plan for the hope of all mankind, which you have prepared, God, before the face of all peoples. So when you're, when you're reading this with me, remember verses 29 through 32 is a song. And we are parsing, we are exegeting a song given by the Holy Spirit to, uh, to Simeon to sing praise to God. And Luke, who is a medical doctor, by the way, Luke wrote Luke and Acts. He is meticulously recording this so that we can see it. You have given us salvation, which shall be to, help me now, all peoples. All right? Not just some people, but to all people. Not just to the self-actualized and who, who are doing all right in life, but he's doing this for everybody, from the lowly and, and the meek and the poor and the hurting and the despondent and the depressed and the discouraged to the rich and to the powerful and to the wealthy and to Asia and to Africa and to Europe and America and South America and even in Antarctica and Australia, all over the world, God says, I've come to save. And that's his name. Jesus is Savior. That's why we're celebrating. Please tell some of y'all's faces supposed to be celebrating, okay? Some of you are like, I'm not celebrating. I'm not smiling. I'm not smiling at all. Man, how many kings step off of their throne 
How many fathers would abandon their own? Only one did that for me. And this is this God. He is a light as he concludes his song. He is a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Oh, my word. Guys, we just don't, we don't appreciate this, do we? We could understand it if it said a light to bring revelation to God's chosen people, Israel, but that's, that's not what it says. It includes Israel, but it also it actually puts us first. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Some of you are going, how, how, am, I, how, am, I, am I a Gentile? Let me ask you a question. <laughs> are you a Jew? Well, then you're a Gentile, all right? If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. And not only a light to bring revelation, but the glory of your people, Israel. You will be the jewel, the crown prize of Israel. They will reject you, but that does not diminish your character and your nature whatsoever. I thought of a couple of verses here, and let me share these with you on the PowerPoint. If you guys can find them for me, I'm going to go to Isaiah 9, and then I'm going to go to John chapter 8. Simeon, as he writes this psalm of praise under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is incredibly familiar with Isaiah. Isaiah chapters 40 through 55, to be specific. He knows this prophecy. And and let me just read, The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. This is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. Yet they have seen a great light. God's salvation is described as light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, watch this, upon them a light has shone, a light has shined. Watch the next one. Then Jesus, by the way, this is the Christ child. He grows up, right? He grows up and he gives amazing teaching and he dies on a cross and he arises from the dead. And before all of that, he gives a word like this, I am the light. I am the light of the world. He who follows me, you're not going to walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life to guide you. So Simeon knows this, right? The Holy Spirit has revealed it to him that one of the great defining characteristics of this coming Messiah will be someone who will dispel darkness, who will eradicate sin, who will open up the heavens of God, will open up the favor of God. Ooh, ooh, I just thought of this. Ooh, I hadn't thought about this before. God is so for you because he was against his son on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so God the Father turns his back on God the Son because God the Son is bearing the sin of the world. And God's so holy and so just, he can't not look at sin. And first, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, and Jesus became sin in that moment. He became sin. He didn't know any sin. He was not sinful, but he became sin. He became my sin. He became your lust, my bad thoughts. He became your adultery and your drunkenness. He became your disobedience. He became all of that sinful stuff that God cannot tolerate. God can't let any of that into heaven, so Jesus took it here on this earth. And God now is good to you. All you got to do is believe in his son, and he forgives you of your sins, and you get to go to heaven when you die. Woo-hoo! Merry Christmas. You are, you are blessed. That's the Christmas story. Thank you, Lord. 
I get so excited I forget where I was. Amen. I'd rather calm down a fanatic than raise up a corpse of a preacher. Are y'all all right with that? Okay, so we're, we're good at that. The song concludes in 32, and now it transitions to this moment of decision. This is very interesting. So you got faithfulness of God, praise of his people, and now here comes the decision we all must make. If this is true, if, if none of this is true, why in the world did you come today? <laughs> you say, well, my grandmother made me. She said, if I'm going to eat anything, i got to come, so I'm here. All right, so okay. <laughs> my wife said, if I want a Christmas present, i got to come listen to you for 45 minutes. This is torture, but I'm here. Amen. I'm here. Thank you. But for the rest of you, the reason you're here is it makes sense. Because you have tasted, you have humbled yourself. You have tasted that the Lord is good. You have received his salvation. Some of you are receiving it now. For the very first time, you are understanding the divine exchange. When Jesus gives his life, in exchange you get a life of forgiveness. So Simeon now transitions to a prophetic utterance. He's going to get a word of prophecy, and he says, And Joseph and his mother marvel. That's in, actually, that's in the present tense in the Greek New Testament. A, a better translation is, and they just kept on marveling. Can, can I add just a little, little imagination to this? And Joseph and Mary's mouth dropped to the floor and go, what in the world? All of this for him? I mean, he's, oh my word. And, and I imagine Joseph's going, I knew there's something special about him. And Mary's like, I know there's something special about him because I mean, you know, I, I was a virgin and I've had him. I can, can, can you get back there with me for just a moment? They're in the temple. All of this is brand new. Read it like you've never read it before. I think Mary and Joseph are going, wow, God, this is amazing. All of this in this baby, Jesus. And they marveled and they kept on marveling because of the things which were spoken of him. Jesus, by him, Simeon the prophet. Now, don't get lost in the weeds of what I'm about to read. I'm going to try to explain this to you best I can. That's why I spend upteen hours in that office back there so that there is no mist in the pulpit. Because if there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a big fog in the pew. And I don't want to be obfuscating or confusing. I want you to, I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. Some of you are looking at me like, I've never heard you preach before, but you actually act like this is a matter of life and death. And it is. Simeon, ulogeo them. Ulogeo is a Greek word by which we get transliterated the English word. Good. Good word. Simeon's the real deal, y'all. Not only does he bless and worship God, now he turns his attention to the parents and he goes, let me just bless y'all for a minute. Let me encourage you with what has been entrusted to you. And then he said to Mary. Notice it does not say, and he said to Joseph. Many people believe Joseph will die before Jesus is even 12 years of age. Now, that's, we don't know that. But after the temple, after the incidents where Mary and Joseph go and get him out of the temple, remember that story? Then after that, you don't read, you don't read about Joseph anymore. So some scholars, historians believe that Joseph is not alive when Jesus dies. And I kind of believe that because at the cross, 
Jesus turned to John and said, Behold your mother. Why would Jesus say, John, take care of her if Joseph was alive? Okay. So Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, listen up, this baby, this child is destined. It is determined. It is in the sovereign mind and the plan of God. And here's what's going to happen with him. Many people are going to fall because of him, and yet many will rise. Can we stay there for just a minute? Can I explain this to you for just a minute? The fall is something negative. The rise is something positive. For all of those who do not believe, we stumble, we grope around in darkness because the light does not illuminate our paths. And the reason it doesn't is because we don't believe it. We're too educated, we're too erudite, we're too sophisticated. My word, I am a CEO of a company. Oh, my word, I have, a, I have obtained degrees from the University of Texas. This is just below me. So I need something high. In my, and then you miss it and go to a place of everlasting darkness. And you only have your proud self to blame. Because God is revealing himself to you. He is speaking to you in the quietness of this moment. And, and, and he says, Mary... There are a lot of people going to fall. They're, they're going to reject him, and they will fall. But there are going to be a bunch who will rise. Many in Israel, and I could say many beyond, will rise. Now watch what else will happen to him. And there will be a sign which will be spoken against. A sign. I've really wrestled with that. What does that mean when Simeon said, this Jesus will be a sign? He will be a sign. I think his whole life is a sign. His whole life, his teaching is a revelation from God that God has invaded our ugly night of sin and darkness. And this sign, I think, preeminently is fulfilled and fleshed out in the resurrection of the dead. When Jesus arose from the dead. Remember Matthew 28, 12 through 15, it says, And the religious people brought in the soldiers. And they told the soldiers, listen, we, we basically know what happened. We can't find this body. It's supposed to be a dead corpse over there, but it's gone. Here's what, here's what you got to do. Listen to me very carefully. Go and tell the people that the disciples came under the cloak of darkness and they stole his body. And so just help me get this rumor out there because if we don't ever find this body, then we're in big trouble. And, and Matthew says, and that was, that was spoken and that was believed throughout Israel then and it's believed throughout America today. Because if you don't believe in the resurrection, there is, then Jesus was a good man and a good prophet who said some amazing things. But if he does not rise like Muhammad did not rise, or like Buddha did not rise, or Confucius did not rise, or Joseph Smith did not rise. All of these people did not rise. If you rise from the dead, then you substantiate, you justify, you exonerate, you vindicate everything you said, but you better rise from the dead, and glory to God, he did. I'm going from Christmas now to Resurrection Sunday on Easter. It's the same one, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm getting excited. But Mary, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Do you all remember at the cross? She weeps. Her 33-year-old son in the prime of life is brutalized, tortured, and dies. But now the hearts of many will be revealed. That's the last phrase, and this is my last 
sort of last statement. <laughs> Thank you for leaving that up there because this, this is the most important thing. Can you all go back to that verse, that last verse, so I can see it? The hearts of many will be revealed. And here's how. What you believe about Jesus will be actuated in your behavior. What you believe about Jesus, your thought life, will be manifested for everyone by the lifestyle that you live. I heard of a big-time college coach the other day. He said, I'm a Christian, and he just goes into the office, and he's got his kids in the room with him, and just dropping one F-bomb after the other, and I'm like, whoa. I don't know, none of us are perfect, but when we do stuff like that, we actually reveal what's really in our heart. When I'm unfaithful to my wife or when I go in some drunken stupor and I come out, I'm a Christian, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. Liar, liar, pants on fire. No, you're not. Because, see, what's really important to you, what's in your heart and in your mind, it will be revealed. It's revealed for everybody to see. So, man, that's... This is getting kind of deep, man. This is Simeon. What, he's, he's, talking, he's talking my language now because I, I get this. Because what's in my heart will be manifested in the very lifestyle that I lead. Now, here it is. Some of you, what I just shared, you're going to stumble all over that, and you're going to disagree with that, and many will fall. But those who say, yes, I believe, you, you will rise. And the defining thing that makes, every, makes everything click is just this simple Lord, I believe. So a couple weeks ago, we were at Preston World Baptist Church in Plano. Preston Wood Baptist Church. They only have 42,000 members, by the way. I think half of them were there the Friday night we were there. And they did a big Christmas uh, musical presentation, Santa Claus coming out of the sky. It was really cool. I was like... Santa coming out of the sky. Angels going up. Drummer boys suspended. People flying out everywhere. I was like, this is, this is cool. I thought I was at Radio Music City Hall. I thought, I thought, well, this is like Broadway production until everything turned and got real serious about, about Jesus and about his birth. After it was all over, the pastor comes up, Jack Graham, and he says, anybody here like to receive Christ as your Savior? And I was like, I do, but I already have done that. <laughs> Anybody like feel like that today? You're like, I, I, I love him. I'd get saved all over again if it was permissible. And yet others are just like, no, no, no. So Jack Graham said, would y'all take out your, your phones? I'm not asking you to, by the way. I'm just giving a story. And when you open up your phone and you flip on the little light switch where it if you have an iPhone, those things will blind you, by the way. Don't, don't do that. You're, it's over. I mean, it'll just hurt you. He said, I want to pray with you. And any of you that want to receive Christ as your Savior, meaning that you say, Lord, that's right. I am a sinner. I need forgiveness. I believe it all. I believe Jesus was born of the Virgin. Mary, I believe he died on the cross. I believe he arose from the dead. And I believe if I believe in him, I go to heaven. And if I don't, I go to hell. And I have nobody to blame but myself. And I was thinking, man, this is a bold move. What if, there's no, what if there are no lights on? 
So I'm praying, and about that time, he prayed a prayer of salvation, and much like what I'm about to do. And, and then he said, if you prayed that prayer with me, click on the light. The lights go out. And I was like, oh, my word, I hope, I hope at least one person. I lifted up my head, and it's just lights, lights everywhere, lights everywhere. And then the people of the church started clapping. It was a beautiful thing. The light of the world saved a lot of people that night at Prestonwood Baptist Church. And the next cool thing is he said, now I want you to go out into the foyer, and there will be people who will meet you, we'll give you a Bible, we will encourage you, God bless you, and we were on our way. And after an hour of getting out of the traffic parking lot, we made our way. I'm not going to ask you to put on your lights. I don't really even have a Bible to give you. But if you will pray with me in a moment and receive Christ, and if you will somehow let me know that, I do have something I want to give you. In fact, I'll give it to you today. Kathy Jones, I did not give you a heads up on this, but I've helped write a devotional book with about 50 other pastors in America, and I'll be happy to sign that and give that to you. All you got to do after the service is say, I, I prayed with you, would you give me that book? And I will, just to encourage you, to help you in your walk with God. Can we pray? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for the birth of the Messiah. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to seek and to save the lost, the humble, the broken. And that, Lord, you surely resist the proud, but you give grace to those who are humble. With your head bowed and with your eyes closed, before anybody leaves, please, please, listen to me carefully. If you would like to pray and receive Christ into your heart today, that you want to be in the category of those who rise and not stumble. If you want to be one of those that says, when my heart and my thoughts are revealed, I want it to be actuated in good deeds and righteous deeds. But my friend, I want to tell you something. There's no way, there's no way under the sun you can do that on your own. You're listening to a man who spoke to you for 30 plus minutes today. I tried that for many years. I tried so hard to please God. I got this great education in religion and Bible. I became a pastor, a preacher. I said, well, surely God's pleased with me now. And God revealed to me, if you could please me in your righteous deeds, then my son should have never come. And so I realized... 19 years of age, been preaching for two years. I said, Jesus, forgive me of my pride. Forgive me of my religion. And I embrace you as my Savior. And I just want to tell you guys what happened to me. The Holy Spirit of God came into my life. And it, he, just, he did something that was so remarkable. He cleansed me. He gave me peace. And since that day, many years ago, I have no doubt whatsoever that when I die, I'm going to heaven in peace like Simeon, left us in peace. Would you like that peace? Can I say it one more time? God is not against you. God loves you. God loves you so much that he allowed you to be here so that you could hear a message of truth. The truth of the matter is God loves you, and you have to respond. All you have to do is say, Jesus, be my Savior and be my Lord. I'm sorry for my sins.
Why don't you just repeat this prayer after me? I'm going to pray it out loud. You don't have to pray it out loud. But you just pray it quietly, silently. Just say, dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me. Thank you for not being against me. Thank you for giving me your son. Lord, I am a sinner. Everybody that knows me knows that I am a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. So Jesus, I believe. I believe it all. That you are who you say you are. And I invite you into my life right now. With your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, let me just be the first to say welcome to the family of God. This decision that you have made will last with you throughout eternity. And again, if you prayed that prayer before you leave today or somehow, some way, get, get message to me because I would love to meet you. I would love to just congratulate you. In fact, I'm going to do something really different. Great Hills Baptist Church, my dear people whom I love, with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, we're not going to have a come forward invitation today. I'm going to ask Terry and our praise team, I'm just going to ask them to sing this song. Oh, my goodness, when you hear this song, it is powerful. And then we're going to be dismissed, and we're going to give people ample time to come. I'm going to be over here by the coffee shop, all right? So you come to the coffee shop, and I want to give you a copy of this book that I've written because I want to encourage you in your relationship with God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, brother. So here's... Here's what we're going to do. I don't know who this is, but I love him, all right? So let me, let me say this. We're going to have our, invita- uh, our offering, and then as we take up the offering, we will, uh, you guys will sing this song. Is that good? Come on, brother. Let's go sit down. Sorry. No, that's okay.